Ephesians chapter 5, if you have not been here with us, we have been going through this letter that the Apostle Paul has written to the church in Ephesus. And I'd like to see if you can finish this statement. It's my way or the highway. You've heard that maybe too many times in your life and run into people who are quite quite prideful and quite controlling, and it's something that can't be a part of the believer's life one bit. Uh, If you look at the timing when the Apostle Paul wrote this letter, the Roman and Greek homes were much different than they are today. That before uh, Paul began even to write this letter, that a lot of households and specific marriages were under this title called cum manu. And what that meant was that marriage was not viewed really as a romantic thing. It was more of a legal action between uh, some families where a man and a woman gets married. And under that uh, type of legal thing that was going on, the husband had ultimate and authority and all legal rights over his wife, over his children, and over slaves, which we see in chapters 5 and in chapter 6. But then when Paul was writing this, things began to flip, and some families fell under this this term called sine manu, and it was this aspect where the husband had no legal authority, had no rights at all over the wife, and the women were gaining a lot of independence and a lot of freedom, and the person who did have the authority and the right was the father of the wife. And the wife was not related to the husband or to any children she bore. So do you think that they had some problems in marriage? Think about today. There's a whole mix of issues, a whole mix of problems. And what we see today when we look at this aspect of loving and respecting is that we need to understand this isn't just a marriage thing. We're going to see this with parenting the following week and then the following week with servants and masters. It all has to do with submitting to one another, as we'll see in verse 21. But uh, as we look at chapter 5, we are reminded that Jesus loves his church the way that a groom loves his bride and that Jesus Christ is the head over the church, which he calls the body. He is our savior. He is our great giver. He is our nourisher. He is our sanctifier. And so he is the example to follow when it says to submit to one another in love. The big idea this morning is this. Christ's love for the church is our model for loving and respecting one another. I'm going to read to you Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 21 where we left off last week. And this was the examples of a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. 
In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However... Let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The word of God. Father, we ask that in this moment, you would work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill us up. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to grow in our understanding of what it means to submit to one another, and that we would look to Jesus Christ for our example. Father, I pray for all the marriages represented in this room, for all those who are not married, Lord, that we would see the call that you have on the life of the believer to be people who submit to one another out of love. Father, may you bless the reading and the preaching of the word in Jesus' name, amen. So verse 21, we'll see it this week, and we'll see it the next two weeks as we look into the rest of the text. If you were not here last week, we saw what is the examples of a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit, and the third one is verse 21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so that's the first point we see this morning is submit to one another. It's so important that when you read this, be reminded This is written to Holy Spirit-filled Christians. This is not written to people who are not Christians. There is a major difference between marriages in this world and relationships in this world between people that are not Christians and relationships with people who are Christians. It's a vast difference. And he writes to Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you bring out words like submit, you can tell me and agree with me that, hey, the world does not like the word submit. We do not want to submit to other people, especially here in the United States of America. We want our stuff. We want to do our things. We want to be the ones who lead. And so the world takes great pride in individualism and independence. So submit is really kind of a a bad word. And so Maybe, just maybe, some of you come in this morning and you see the word submit and the things that you've been influenced by the world, you're like, oh, wait a minute here, submit? Yeah, it says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you go back and look at Ephesians chapter 4, just a couple pages over to the left, you'll remember in verse uh, 1 and 2, it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness and with patience, bearing with one another in love. This is the call for you if you say you're a Christian. You're to submit to others in the body of Christ with patience, to bear with them, and to do that out of love. And yet, because of sin, some of you um, don't get along with other believers. Some of you have left other churches and come to this church because of other believers. When it says to submit and to bear with and to have patience, And so it's important for us this morning when you go over to chapter 5, verse 18, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is submitting to 
one another. To submit, as we look at here, it's the opposite of asserting yourself. It's not to be someone who is domineering, not to be a dictator in the relationships that you have with others. And turn to John chapter 13, the Gospel of John. I'll remind this to you again, which we saw when we looked at chapter 4. The night that Jesus was betrayed, the night that he was arrested, the night that he was up all night, he'd been beaten, he'd been flogged, he went the next morning and was hung on the cross where he died. That night before he's arrested, he's in an upper room eating a meal with his disciples that he spent with for three years, who he says he calls them his friends. And it says this in John 13, verse 14 and 15. If I then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. If you don't know what's going on there, when they came in that night, Jesus took a basin of water, he put a towel around himself, and he went one by one and he washed the feet of the disciples. And Peter's like, no, wash me. He said, hey, you have no part. You don't. In long story short, he says, This picture of submitting and humbling myself and serving you is the picture for all believers in how we're to submit to one another. I pray that every single day this week, every time you put your shoes on, your sandals, every time you look at your feet, you think of Jesus. That you would think of the fact that he humbled himself and washed the feet of his disciples. And that's the picture of your heart that is to be if you love Jesus and you're called to love other people. So whether you're married or not this morning, whether you have plans to marry or not, uh, whether you come from a great uh, family with uh, a marriage that's been together forever or your family's marriage are broken up, all kinds of problems, whatever it may be this morning for you, if you call yourself a Christian, you are to submit. And you are to submit to one another and to serve one another. And if you think about this, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, The guy who was the traitor, Judas, was still in the room at the time. He even washed the feet of the enemy that was there that night. What a great picture for us in the fact that we're called to do that with one another. So chapter 5 and 6, this key of submitting to one another uh, under the authority that God has ordered. And so again, today we'll look at marriage. Next week we'll look at parenting. The following week we'll look at servants and masters. And so submitting... Here's the, here's the key. When you submit to one another in love, what you're doing is you're reenacting the gospel. You're doing what Jesus did for us and that he humbled himself and went to the cross. You're doing that when you submit to one another as Christ submitted. <clears throat> so here's where it gets a little sticky. Here's the part where you get pushback. Let's look at the second point. To the wives, it says respect your husband. And the first thing is like, you don't know my husband. You don't know what he did this week. He's an idiot. I've been working on him for years. Submit. What do you mean? Well, let's look at the word of God here and remember this. He's writing to Holy Spirit-filled wives, Christians. He's not writing to the rest of the world. So if you're a Christian, you're a wife in here, plan to be married, it's written to Holy Spirit-filled wives. Verse 22, wives... Submit to your own husbands as to who? As to the Lord. You can go read Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7, through 7, Peter says the same thing that Paul says. Submit to your husbands as you would to the Lord. And yet, that's the part. That's the problem. I love my husband, but I don't know about submitting to him. Because you do not know who he is or how he is. So let's see, what does this really mean? The first and most important thing is you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26-28. to 28. Hey, men and women are created equally in God's image. So if that's something to help you here, men and women are created equally in God's image and are called to glorify God with their life. Galatians chapter 3 tells us the same thing. Submit, though, many times people go automatically to what we see next week when it says children obey your parents. Submitting is not the definition of the, or it's not the same definition as this word obey here. The word submit, when it says wives submit, or when, if you go back to 21, all Christians submit to one another, it's this picture of putting yourself under your husband's leadership freely, the way that you would submit to the Lord Jesus, because he loved you first, and therefore you respond to him in love. That's the picture and the command of wives submitting to their own husbands. At the same time, let's make it very clear, wives are not, or women in general, are not commanded to submit to all men or to all husbands. Only to, as it says there, to your own husband. And it says how to do it? As to the Lord. Jesus Christ is the ruler of the universe. He is our sovereign king and Lord and all Believers submit to him, and that is the example for wives to submit to their husbands as they would submit to Jesus because they love Jesus and they love their husband. But at the same time, a wife is not forced into submitting to their husband. Jesus does not force the church to submit to him, and so wives are not forced to submit. Therefore, you look to Jesus and what he did, and you follow that example. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. One thing that, again, may not be clear. A Christian husband is the head of the wife. We have a verse in a minute we'll look at here. In regards to if you are a wife and you're a Christian, your husband is not, it still tells you to submit in a certain way so that they can be won over and come to Christ. But the Christian husband is the head of the wife just as Jesus is the head of the church. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, here's some other verses that have to do with this relationship. And you may not like the wording, but here's what God has ordered in the marriage relationship. And in 1 Corinthians eleven three, it says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Verse 8 and 9, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 11 and says, For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And verse 11, it says, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. Now, why do we read those things? Because when you read Ephesians, every time it says the word head, 
it has the word body or it has church with it. And here it's connected in chapter 5 with the husband. And the whole picture has to do with unity in Christ. If there's not submission to one another, if wives don't submit to their husbands, then there's a break in unity and it goes all the way back to the fall. If you go back to Genesis chapter uh, 1 through 3, you read that God created the heavens and the earth, that uh, uh, he creates Adam. And it says this, you may be, again, it's great to go back and read because sometimes we automatically think, oh, it happened this way, happened this way. You go to Genesis chapter 2, and specifically in verse 16 and 17, God's created Adam. He's put him there. Eve's not created yet. Listen to what he says to Adam. The Lord, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, okay, Eve's not there, so he tells Adam, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you eat it, of it you shall surely die. Then in the next verse, and it says, the Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone, so I'm going to make a helper for him. Eve's not there when God gives the directive to Adam, don't eat of this tree. But yet you get to chapter 3, who eats of the tree first? Eve does. And if you read in First uh, Timothy, Chapter 2, verse 13, it helps us understand again how God has ordered the marriage relationship when he created Adam and Eve. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. And we can read verses in which though because of the sin, even though Eve was deceived, who did God hold accountable? If you go back to chapter 3 of Genesis, God calls Adam out first. He doesn't say Eve. He calls Adam. It's like, Adam, where are you? What happened? What did you do? And the, and the problem is, is that Adam was supposed to be the head. He was supposed to be the protector. And what he should have done is should have grabbed a hold of that serpent and should have cut the head off and thrown it out of the garden. That's what a good husband would have done. That's what the head of the marriage relationship should have done just as Christ has crushed Satan and done that at the cross for us as church because he loves us. Now, when the husband does those types of things towards their wife, then wives are like, oh, I can, I can submit to him. No, there's a command. In general, wives, submit to your husbands as Christ, as you would submit to Christ. But we have a conflict today because in chapter 3, when the sin happens, specifically in chapter Genesis 3, verse 16, there's a curse that he puts out on, 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 on Satan, and then there's a curse on the woman, and there's a curse on Adam. And in verse 16, he says, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And what he's saying to the wife is, he's like, Hey, the curse is here. You're going to want to lord it over your husband. And so no wonder in marriage today you have husbands and wife who are constantly going like this, butting heads, arguing over things because there's not a proper relationship in the fact that wives are to respect their husbands. Most husbands know that their wives love them, but they wonder if they actually respect them. And wives say, well, I would respect them if they would just act normal. I'd respect them if they wouldn't be stupid. Isn't that true? Don't we hear these things? Don't we feel these things? 
conflict because of sin back at the fall. And we wonder why it happens today. God tells us in his word. Our problem is we just don't spend time reading it. And so he says in verse 23 and 24, back in our text here, uh, his body is himself its savior, speaking of Jesus. Jesus is the one who's brought salvation and restoration to us in our relationship with him. And he provides that in the marriage relationship as well for people who trust and follow him. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And they're like, man, there it is again, everything? What do you mean there? Well, God has ordered the marriage relationship that Christian husbands would lead and be the head of the marriage relationship. But if any husband asks a wife to submit to anything sinful, wives, you don't obey that. Acts chapter 5 verse 29 says, it's better to obey God than man. If a wife that's a Christian and her husband who says he's a Christian, they're in a relationship in which the husband's abusing the wife, you don't submit to that. You call the police. You get help. Wives, the best thing I could say for you this morning when it says submit, look to Jesus. Jesus is the greatest submitter because he's the one who submitted himself, humbled himself, and went to the cross. Remember the night that Jesus was in the garden, and he's like, hey, Father, three times he prays, Father, I don't, hey, if there's any other way, would you take this away from me? He says, but not my will, but yours, right? And it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He submitted to the Father. So, Women, wives, submit to your husbands as you would submit to Jesus Christ. And for those of you who are Christians and your husband is not saved, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. How is your actions towards your husband? And what happens, I believe, sometimes, especially in Christian marriages, is maybe a husband is not leading like he should spiritually. And so what wives do is they come up with a whole list of stuff, and they begin to badger the husband. When are you going to start that 10-point Bible study for us, for our family? Why aren't you doing this right now? When are you going to pray for us and do this? Why aren't you doing these things? And all this badgering begins to happen. And sometimes I wish that we had a video camera in our home to replay what we say. Well, maybe not. Proverbs 27, 15 through 16, one verse. A continual dripping on a rainy day in a quarrelsome wife or alike. To restrain, restrain her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's hand. I heard one time a guy go through all kinds of verses about wives and all kinds of husbands. Everyone's laughing because, yeah, these things are real. But, hey, here's the truth. Husbands want to know if their wives respect them. If there's a constant badgering, a constant fighting, they're going to just shut down and shut off, and they're not even going to lead, and they're not even going to listen to you, and they're just going to go about their way. So if you want to see unity and health and relationship, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you submit in a right way and to show your husband respect. In verse 25 through 33, husbands, it's your turn. 
And the wives are like getting ready to throw that elbow in. No, don't do that. Husbands, how are you loving your wife? Some of you, I've heard husbands complain like this before and say, um, how come my wife brought up this thing from three years ago, jabbing me in the back with it again? Or why did she ask me if I love her? I told her yesterday I love her. How come she doesn't see I work long hours to provide for our family? She tells me, don't fix it, just listen. What does that mean? And then she asked me, does these clothes maybe look a certain way? And you can't answer those. You get yourself into trouble. Husbands, here's the thing. How are you loving your wife? Verse 25 says, husband, love your wives. It's a command. If you're a Christian man in this room, if you're married or plan to be married, you're commanded to love your wife. Your wife probably knows that you respect her. But does she know that you actually love her? And your actions are just as big as hers towards you. Paul is writing to Holy Spirit-filled Christian husbands, to believers. And so you're commanded to love. It's an unconditional love like Jesus Christ. You don't love your wife when she does this, this, and this for you, because that Jesus didn't do that. When Jesus died for us because he loved us, did we have to jump through hoops so that he would go to the cross to love us? No. He went to the cross when we are wicked, sinful enemies just because of his great love. Husbands, do you love your wife whether she responds to the things that you need or want or not? Do you love her? Verse 25 says, says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here, again, throughout this passage here, specifically with the husbands, he points out, hey, Here is the key here. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so back in chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Look to the cross. Look to the cross. And then apply that to the relationship with your wife. Husbands, are you willing to give everything for your wife as Jesus gave for you? the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Are you, husbands, willing to love your wife and lay down your life for her? Because 26 and 27, it tells us this picture. Again, it's not only just this aspect of the gospel, but once he saves the church, here's what he does, and this is what he calls husbands to do as the example. Verse 26, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. This is the whole key in this book of Ephesians. It's about Jesus and the church, but yet he gives us guidelines on how to live our life and apply these things, and everything always is look to the cross, look to the cross, look to Jesus and what he did, and that gives us the guidelines for how we are to submit and how we are to love and how we're to respect one another. The purpose of Christ's love and the cross is to save the church, to sanctify the church there in verse 26, to cleanse the church by the washing of water with the word that Jesus Christ not only died on the cross, that his blood was shed to remove our sins, but he rose from death to life, and so we are saved by our faith in him. We are cleansed when we are forgiven uh, by Christ the cross. He makes us holy. He makes us blameless. 
And if you can get that, you can understand, husbands, what you're to do. Because with Jewish weddings, what would happen is the bride would get ready and adorn herself and wait for the bridegroom. The bridegroom would go and get the wife, and then he would take the wife to his own father to present his bride to the father for approval. Do you see that? What Christ does for you and I, he calls the church his bride. And so he's not only died for us, but he sanctifies us, he's cleansed us, he's working on us, he's making us holy and blameless for the day that we're presented before God the Father. And it's a wonderful picture for husbands to be reminded of so you can understand the great love that Christ has for us that you need to have for your wife. Verse 28 says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. We are, to call, we are called to love our wives for their ultimate good because we're commanded to and because we're to follow example of Christ. But let me ask the husbands in this room to just think for a minute. Do you do verse 28? Do you love your wife like you love yourself? Because a lot of men that I have run into in life will ha make sure that they've got all their stuff in order. They've got their car set up. Or maybe up, it's like, hey, I'm ready for my hunting and fishing season. I've got all these things. And you'll see their wives walking around with uh, worn out clothes or driving in a, in a beat up car that can hardly get down the road. And there's just like a neglect there because men love themselves and they put themselves first at times. And this is the thing. Do you love your wife like you love of yourself because 29 and 30 says for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body if you get an injury you take care of it generally you put a band-aid on it you clean it out if you got to get stitches or surgery you take care of those things Jesus cares for his church and nourishes his church and it's natural for Christ to do and husbands pray that it would be natural for you if it's natural for Christ because of his love for the church, pray that it's so natural for you. Over the years, I have been repeatedly frustrated and angered over husbands who say they're Christians and they're some of the most lazy men I've ever met. And they're what Proverbs say, the sluggard. And they don't work, and they don't provide, and they don't care for their wives or their children. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, yes, there are exceptions for men who maybe they have a handicap or maybe there's a problem. Maybe they get injured and they cannot work at that time. But God knows if a husband is cheating the system. And I've seen too many men who say they're Christians and they're on this disability and they're doing other work. And they're just basically finding a way to neglect their families. And we see a generation of young men who are living at home till they're in their 40s and they're lazy and they want to get married. And no one's set before them. You need to love your wife as Christ loves the church and yet we have too many Christian homes and too many Christian husbands and fathers who will not love their wife as a church and set example for their sons. Men, we need to love our wives. 
We need to set an example for our sons. Verse 31 and 32 is a quote from Genesis and a quote from back from Ephesians 1. It says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That's from Genesis. And then it says, verse 32, what we've already seen in Ephesians 1, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and to the church. So he quotes Genesis 2, 24. He quotes uh, Ephesians, I believe, chapter 1, verse 9, back to what he was already writing, to teach that husbands and wives come together and they're to be one uh, in unity, just as Jesus Christ and the church is to be. And so if you, you know, I thought about this the other day. I'm like, ah, I should have done this, but <clears throat> go and get two sheets of, or, or pieces of, particle board and get some wood glue and glue it all together and stick the pieces together and let it just dry for a couple weeks and then take a hammer and take a a, a chisel and try to pry the pieces apart and what you're going to see is the particle board rips off from one another that's what happens when a husband and wife come together and they're brought under unity under Christ so if you rip that relationship apart there's going to be trouble there's going to be pain there's going to be problem and then we always go why well we're told why Husbands, if you are going to be the greatest leader in your home, then you have to look to Jesus. You have to follow Jesus. You can't come up with your own plan. Love your wife as Jesus loves and leads the church. He went to the cross and gave up his life for us. Are you willing to give up everything to love your wife and show that you love her verse 33 is a summary for everyone however let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband love and respect are so key in the marriage relationship and I would go as far to say that love and respect is a part of a key part of unity in the body of Christ and how we're to submit to one another Husbands, do you love your wife unconditionally as Christ loves the church? Your wife, again, she probably knows you respect her, but does she know that you love her? Wives, do you really respect your husband? They generally know that you love them, but do you respect them? Ask this of yourself, husbands and wives. What do you say about your spouse when they're not around to other people? It gives a good indicator of your heart. As the worship team comes forward, Think about this text this morning. That this picture of marriage is used as an example of the church, which is the example for marriage to follow after. And if you have a relationship in here, you're in a marriage relationship, pray and ask God to work in your heart here. If you have influence over children, grandchildren, friends, neighbors, people who uh, are in relationships and there's trouble Take them to the word of God. Number one, though, is if they are not saved and they're not Christians, this is not going to do anything for them. I mean, maybe it improves their, their relationship a little bit, but they need Jesus. You need Jesus if you're here and you are not a Christian. Jesus Christ loves you and died for you and gave his life. He shed his blood for you so that you would be forgiven of your sins. And if you believe in him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And he makes you new. And if you are a Christian and you're in trouble this morning, you're struggling with these things, 
Ask the Holy Spirit. Go back to where we started last week with this. This is evidence of a Holy Spirit-filled life. Do you know what I've been praying probably 20 times a day this whole week? Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I need to be filled. Because there's all kinds of trouble in this world, and there's all kinds of temptation, and there's things that, hey, I get angry at times, and I'm like, Holy Spirit, fill me up. If submitting to one another out of love is evidence of that, that should be our prayer this morning. Father, I pray that as we sing the praises of your name, as we go from this place today, we ask that you would fill us up, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to be a people who submit to one another out of love. And so, Father, for all the marriages here this morning, those that are in trouble or those that are even doing wonderful this morning, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them up and that you would guide them, you would direct them, you would do a healing work. And Father, for any in this room who are far from you, I pray that today that they would believe in Jesus, Lord and Savior. You would save them. They would know your love and forgiveness. Father, may, may we be a church that glorifies you and is known for our unity in Jesus Christ.